Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello everybody and uh, welcome to the first of our 2014 Motorsport Magazine podcasts. Number one and uh, we're in London of course for the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame Day. But before we get into the Hall of Fame and our guest today, let me tell you about uh, our subscription offer to start off this new year. You can save up to 70% when you subscribe. So why not make the most of a print subscription, a digital subscription, and the soon-to-arrive Motorsport Archive, or even all three together. That's print, digital, and our amazing archive, and you can save up to 70% if you want to do that. And if you didn't know, the Motorsport Archive includes every single article ever published in Motorsport, and that's available online. Yep, that is a big task. <laughs> every so I, sh- I should say soon to be available. It's, it's not quite ready. No, I said no. it's soon to arrive. Yep, yep. No, you get uh, be a little bit of time yet, but you can get it. Okay, anyway, welcome everybody. And with us today is John McGuinness. So if you're a fan of motorcycle racing or a fan of two wheels, this is a real treat for you. And John, uh, thank you very much for joining us because you're, you're literally just back from Australia. <laughs> yeah, flew, uh, flew in yesterday from uh, a big event in uh, Phillip Island. And uh, yeah, it was a thoroughly enjoyable thing. I rode a classic bike, uh, sort of getting to that age now where I'm probably going to be a classic rider. So uh, yeah, we had a week out there, rode a Harris framed ha- uh, Honda engine bike in the beautiful sunshine and yeah. landed in Manchester yesterday and in into... You know them guys out there are, are sort of burning and we're drowning so it's uh <laughs> but yeah great great trip over there and uh you know it's back for this special occasion well anyway welcome and thanks for joining us in a very wet and windy london anyway um i think the obvious thing to ask you first of all is how on earth does it feel to join the likes of john surtees and giacomo agostini in the um hall of fame it's pretty amazing <laughs> oh for sure you know i mean i, I I never expected this. I mean, it was a bit of a shock, but also a pleasant shock, and uh, you know, an amazing honour to to be in there. And uh, it was funny. I thought I better just check up on this job, and uh, I was on the internet the other day and googled it, and 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 uh, seen some footage on on YouTube, and you know, Nicky Lauder and all the boys, and uh, the, the the list goes on and on and on of the famous uh, uh, motorsport chaps, and uh, you know, to be to be going in there, it's a uh, yeah, it's a fantastic thing to be involved in. Mega. Good, great news. Um, 
with us today also is Matt Oxley, who's our motorcycle racing uh, expert at Motorsport Magazine. I think that's true to say, isn't it? I'm not sure what your title is, but anyway, that, that's okay for the time being. So welcome, motorcycle expert. Yeah. Welcome, Matt. Um, before we get into the uh, chatting to John properly, can I just mention that there'll be a Sky Sports F1 TV program about the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame, and it'll be on Sky Sport this coming Friday, 31st of January, from half past eight till nine o'clock. So that's Sky Sports F1 from 8.30 till nine on Friday, and you'll be able to watch uh, John McGuinness and all the action on stage with Alain Prost, Ross Braun, Johnny Herbert from Sky TV, of course, and the great John Surtees. So, let's start at the beginning, make it easy. Um, you trained as a bricklayer, <laughs> which is a very, very useful thing to know how to do, actually. So, so how, on earth, how on earth did the biking get going? I, I hear that you um, bunked off school and went racing with your dad. Yeah, I mean, when I left, when I left school with the bricklaying, my dad says to me, you know, he says, I want to be a mechanic, and he said, oh, that's a rubbish job, you just get trapped like an oil rag, and... You, you need to be in the building trade. You can't go wrong in the building trade. So, you know, I served my time at college for three years. And then uh, when I left uh, college, I think it was about 1990, 91. That's, I think, the last time the country was in recession. So my travel and my level was, there was not much use at the time. So I said, thought, I thank my dad for that. I said, thanks, mate. No no, no work for me. So, uh, but, I mean, going back a long time before that, it, it for me, you know, my dad used to have a little bike shop where, you know, he used to service bikes and sell bikes and uh, in Morecambe and uh, it was just a natural thing to do. My dad did a bit of racing and you know, it was always difficult bringing the family up and stuff, but uh, I had a little Italia Jet uh, 50 where, uh, you know, I used to sort of tear around the industrial estates and, you know, in them days you could, you know, like, I mean, if you get a motorbike out now on an, on an industrial estate, the police helicopter's out and, you know, they'll uh, take your bike away and crush it. But uh, in them days, I was ripping round and uh, I, I wanted to be Evil Knievel. He was my hero at the time. And, you know, he jumped the 14 real buses or I jumped the 14 toy buses on my little bike. But uh, in the early days, mate, it was just bikes, bikes and just growing up around it. And, yeah, I went to the TT first time with my dad in 1982 and it... it Oh, and the first time I saw him at 10 years old, it just blew me away. I was sat on the wall and, you know, the Joey, Joey Dunlop, Graham Crosby's, Mick Grant's, all the top, you know, multi-TT winners and world champions. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought one day I'm going to win one of these races. And here we are a long time later, we're 20. So I, I suppose back then if somebody would have said to me, you know, I had a crystal ball to look into and they would have said I would be sat here now with, with 20 wins, I would have probably laughed and fell off the wall, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's true, it's all come true and, and it's still going, you know, I'm, you know, I look pretty average and my age is pretty old, but I still, <laughs> I'm 18 year old inside my brain still and my eyesight's pretty good, so we'll, we'll carry on battering away for another couple of years and see where we end up. Sorry, Sorry, Ed Foster, it's carry on. Was it always the, the TT that kind of fascinated you? I mean, obviously you liked bikes before you went over there and saw it for the first time, but was that the thing that made you really think, hang on, I, w I want to do that? That's, that's what I want to yeah, do. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, the TT, if anybody's, you know, if you've not been there, and uh, it's difficult to explain, but if you've been there, you can see why it, it sort of, it grips hold of you and it won't let go of you. The Isle of Man is such a special place. And uh, yeah, I mean, my dad, Road racing in them days when my dad was racing, it was all, you know, it was all the greats, the Halewoods, the Surteeses and, uh, you know, all, all those great riders, Agostini and uh, my dad told me the tales and it just sort of captivated me a little bit and then, you know, watching it for the first time. But I just, 
even now I love I just love racing bikes you know last few years I've done world endurance I've done Grand Prix as a wild card I've done you know I've raced all over the world and I suppose the TTs where I've uh, excelled really but uh, yeah I mean that's you can you can get all your racetracks and you can you can put them into one and they don't go anywhere near the <laughs> TT you know <laughs> uh, you know like even the Nurburgring you know it, you know that goes over a hill and uh, it's got it's got 70 corners where the TT's got you know 270 corners and it's got a real mountain on it so it's got uh, it's got everything thrown at you but yeah I mean I just you know sat here now and somebody said let's have a bike race around the centre of London on a couple of scooters I'd be ready you know I just love being on two <laughs> wheels you know so anything to do with two wheels I love that, there's a feature absolutely <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> straight to jail <laughs> well tell me I, I'm, I'm really fascinated that Literally at ten years old, you was you sat there on the wall and thought, "I'm going to win one of these." Is that right? Really, you were you were that smitten? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd, I don't know what it is. You know, it's uh, it was Bray Hill. I mean, one of the most you know terrifying uh, sections of the course. You know, it's flat out. I mean, even the, even in the the early eighties, the boys would still be doing 170 mile an hour, and 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 you're only two or three foot away from him in places, and. Uh, it's the noise, the smell, the atmosphere, the you know, the, everything about everything about it. It's the, especially you know, the commentary, the you know, the the, the excitement. The no, you can hear the bikes coming, and you know, there's not not many places in the world where you experience that. And um, yeah, it just flicks something on. But I mean, that was a long time ago. And I didn't do my first TT till I was 25. I, I started racing at 18, road racing. But at 18 years old. You, you don't know. You haven't got any respect for yourself. You haven't got any respect for anybody else on the track. You know, you're crashing into people and you're in gravel traps and you know and, and tire walls all over the country. And you know, I thought, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait until I've grown up a little bit before I do it. And uh, you know, in the early days, it was. It's fair to say it was tough. You know, it was. Uh, we never had anything. You know, we were begging, stealing, borrowing. I was. You know, I've been on building sites siphoning uh, siphoning diggers to get diesel out of it to to actually go to resumes and you laugh and it's it's the truth, you know. And uh, it was it was really really tough, but there was nothing going to stop me from being you know a successful bike racer. And uh, you know, I've lost my train of thought now onto something else. <laughs> but, uh, John, you've, you've said before that kind of the uh, Bray Hill is the kind of scariest part of the course, especially you know when you're on cold tyres and a full tank of gas. Can you kind of describe what it is like going down there <laughs> on a full tank with brand new lukewarm tyres? Yeah, I mean, if you know, you any other race in the world, you know, you 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 do a sighting lap and you pull up on the grid, so you've you know you got a feel for your brakes and you're not you're, everything's up to temperature and you stand on the grid and you take your helmet off, you do a little bit of posing for the cameras and then you do a warm up lap again and then you know where the TT you just pull up on your bike, you know. The suspension's cold. The tyres not cold, but they're not up to optimum temperature and pressures. And there's 24 litres of fuel on it. So, and it, it, it's like it's like you've got no choice. You got no. You can't turn around. You've got to you've got to grab it by the horns basically and uh, wrestle it all the way down Bray Hill. And you know you don't set off up to a third gear straight and into a couple of chicanes just to get a feel for it. You you drop the clutch from absolutely standstill up to six gear, 185 plus mile an hour, and you plummet your way down Bray Hill. So. You know, it, it's pretty unique, pretty scary, and uh, you know, for me, it is, it is the, <laughs> especially on a superbike. You know, those superbikes are, you know, sometimes you're a passenger on them things. You're just sort of going down the hill, steering it in the right sort of f field, and just hoping you're in the right acre, if you like, you know, and just, just sort of batter your way down there and 
it, it's also the, the, the bike bottoms out so the body work hits the floor you know when it's full of fuel you've got to be careful as well you can hit the sump the bottom of the engine or break the exhaust pipes or something so yeah it's uh you know it's it's definitely definitely different and uh, definitely unique and one where you know it's a it's a hold your breath job <laughs> if, if you watch sort of slow-mos of bikes going down there it kind of looks like literally like they've got a, a hinge in the middle the back tires going <laughs> one way the front tires going the other and you're doing 180 miles an hour you know heading towards a wall basically yeah tell me about it matt it was a uh, <laughs> you know years well up until the last three or four years they've had these special cameras that slow everything down to 600 frames per second and to be honest i don't like watching it you know you don't it's it's unbelievable what stresses go through the bike i mean the frames flexing the swing arms flexing the 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 the, the, the tire def you know the, the movement in the tire you know it's just when you see it at full speed, you don't really see it. When you slow it down, I have to look away, to be honest. I'm like, that really isn't me, is it? And uh, people are like, yeah, that's you, but I, I don't want to see. I, I was going to ask, do you, with onboard footage, do you find that quite hard to watch afterwards because you've got no adrenaline or anything like that and you're literally sitting cold in front of a computer with a level head? Do, yeah. you, do you not make a habit of it, I take it? I don't. It's, it's, it's nice to, to look back and obviously if you've had a win, if you had a win, you watch it, but when you finish fourth or something, you not, tend not to watch it. But uh, it's... Uh, sometimes you can learn a few bits and you know especially uh, like some of the guys I ride for they watch it and see where the bike's out handling and you know sometimes have a little bit of a look at it and you know what what scares the pants off a lot of people when you're on the bike you don't feel it mm. you know people say oh he was out of shape there or you know and it slowed right down looks like there's a lot of movement but when you sat on it it's like that all the way around you know it's uh, there's, there's movement there's jumps there's wheelies there's, there's everything thrown at you and uh you know, it, it looks like we're probably out of control sometimes, but you know, when when you're on the bike, it's not. It's all it's all under control, I think. Can you um, identify what what does make a, a great motorcycle racer? What, what what do you need? What are all the qualities apart from being completely mad? What, <laughs> what, what, what else? What else does a great bike racer need? Uh, well, huge testicles helps. Oh, <laughs> uh, <or laughs> I mean. Uh, from the outside looking in it looks like you know the lights on and nobody's on for sure but you know we do it you know I've done it for 17 years I've done thousands of laps I've been around the course at you know so many so many uh, over 130 many laps over 125 so you know there, as far as a little bit of madness and insanity in there the, the, there's yeah there's a little bit of skill in there <laughs> a little bit of skill and talent <laughs> Uh, what, what is the skill? <laughs> what is the skill? I mean, with, I think with the... it's. I think it's more. Um, it's experience, you know. Definitely, experience helps. It's, you know, you can't just dive on a on a bike and and wave a magic wand and go around there quick. You know, there's. The, it's just the right attitude, being a little bit patient at times, drawing the line, not not going over, you know, over your line and. Uh, you know, just waiting for it to happen, and just take your time and chip away. And you know, sometimes you might finish fourth, fifth. Sometimes you might not be feeling it on the day or whatever. And sure. you've got to accept accept the fact that you can't win them all. You know, and then and let it go. Then then you'll have your day. You know, but it's it it's always something that every year you learn something different. There's different bike, different setups, different conditions. You know, the wind changes direction, and these are all the things that that I feel. That, you know. I, I know where the wind's coming, even though I can't see it. A bit like a pilot, you know, they know where the wind's going. I, I can feel it where it's pushing me on the bike, and I put myself in different positions on the road, and, 
you know, and you can braft, sometimes you have to brake a little bit early in some of the corners because you've got a tailwind and all them things that you've got to string together and that, that comes with time and experience really. Well, Matt, we, you know, mustn't forget that you've obviously got quite a lot of experience in the TT as well. I mean, is that the same, you know, was it a complete baptism of fire when, when you did it for the first time? Was it? I, I only ever rode little bikes around there because I was too scared to ride anything too fast. And um, when I first went over there, I'd, I'd, I'd never been that, to the island before when I was going to race. And, and I went around on the open road and just thought, wow, this is really scary. I'm, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do one lap of practice and uh, tell the people who have given me the bike, actually, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> and then I went out and practiced and just had the best day of my life, you know, and it is... I think if you've grown up riding around on the road, which John did and, and, and I did, you know, you don't... I didn't grow up doing mini-moto like kids do, do now. You know, I grew up going mad on country roads, so actually that kind of flows quite well into riding around the TT, and, and it's a kind of... Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling, I think... Um, yeah, you never forget it. It will always live in your mind. You speak to Fogarty, who obviously won, Carl Fogarty, who won four World Superbike titles and several TTs. He just says the only thing that's burnt into his, you know, memory is riding around the TT. You know, it's just, it's just so fast and everything's so close that it has a, a, a very strong effect on you, much more so than riding around a short circuit with lots of runoff and, you know, where you've got 15 corners to deal with or 10 corners, you know. One thing that really interests me about the whole world of motorcycle racing, which I'm not, not in, obviously, cars are my thing, but why do you think it is that 99% of the people are so open, friendly, honest, frank, direct, relaxed, as compared to the same level in cars? Is it, I mean, no, there has, to be a, there has to be a reason for this, right? And it, and it really interests me. For example, when I went to the MotoGP race at Silverstone, it was just such a relaxed... I mean, I'm sure it's not relaxed if you're trying to win the race, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't really know where it's going, the question. Uh, it's, wh it's, where it's, it's going it, is I'm trying to I find know, out. I know, it's supposed to be... A, I'm supposed to give you a really intelligent answer to that question. No, I'm really, really I'm sort of struggling to find one there. Really not, not really. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a little bit more camaraderie between us all as riders. I think that, uh, especially with TT riders, we're all as... I think we have a lot more... Uh, respect for each other as uh, as as riders, and because we know the dangers, you know, if it goes wrong, we're in trouble. You know, if it goes wrong in an F1 car, you know, you you know, you you, you jump in another one. But uh, it's, and I think that you know when <laughs> we've had some animated press conferences after TT races talking about foreskins and one thing and another. I was there for that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was just it's all the emotions sort of run out. Here, you know, it's one one of the things is relief as well you know we're all in one piece and you look around and it's and and you've and it's all sort of sinking in what you've just done you know you've done you know nearly two hours of absolute high speed racing and uh you know wow we've all got away with it so we just we're sort of still running on a bit of adrenaline i think when we're in the press conferences and probably uh say a few things but i don't know it's i don't know i, I like me personally i like i like the fans you know they come in i, I like the people we have we are fans, we are spectators, sponsors. We're nothing, you know, and it's it's easy just to walk away from them. But you know, the, we need we need them. I think as well, you know, it's 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 a little bit vulnerable road racing, uh, pure road racing. You know, it's uh, there's always going to be massive sponsors in F1 and and everything else. But our job's a little bit more delicate, so we need we need the next generation as well. You know, the young kids to come yeah, along, yeah. and you know, I I was a young kid tugging at uh, Joy Dunlop's. Uh, 
shirt, you know, can I have your autograph and stuff. So and the kids do it to me. So I can remember doing that to Joey. So I think well, I'll give these guys a time of day. So yeah. you know, I think we're all we're all much the same, really. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we're just happy to be in one piece when we're finished. <laughs> Rob, you say that MotoGP seems relaxed. Well, kind of MotoGP to us is kind of the opposite of that. You know, because we compare it against other bike meetings, whether it's World Superbike, which is more relaxed than MotoGP, or British Superbike, which is more relaxed, or the TT. I mean, not relaxed in a riding point of view, but just the general atmosphere. And, and I think ultimately it all comes down to money. You know, the more money is involved, the more PR people, the more marketing people, the more management people, the more money there is to be lost by saying the wrong thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you're being paid millions, you've got to mind your P's and Q's, yeah. haven't you? If you're being paid 10, 20, 30, 40 grand, you'd say what you like. And I, I think... Yeah, if we got fined 10 grand for doing the burnout on the track, we won't be doing any burnouts. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I speak, I know Mike Webber quite well and taking his helmet off at the at uh, in uh, Brazil there that was that was an issue as well and I, I spoke to him about it and uh, you know the, the fines are nearly what I get paid you know <laughs> a, a yearly salary so uh, you know that's uh, but like I say if you don't get paid don't you say something you're not lost anything have you bugger it <laughs> uh, but you, you mentioned Mark Webber he, he's come to the TT hasn't he was he uh, one of them yeah Mark's yeah. been a couple of times yeah he sneaked yeah. in in 2008 and uh, I, I, I met Mark there and uh I think that's why we get on so well. We're just both the same, really. But you know, he does his job amazingly well, and you know, I do my job. But the, the really, really nice thing uh, with Mark is he, you know, he actually he doesn't think we're mad. He, just, he thinks we're, yeah. you know, a proper sportsman, uh, good at you know, amazing what we do, controlling something uh, what we do around that track, you know. And uh, for somebody like you know Mark to come along and say that, it means a lot to us guys. It means a lot for our sport. You know, it'd be so easy for something like Matt to say, you're mentally, you're like, that's crazy. That's the worst crazy thing you do. Yeah. And that just, just would put us back 10 years, you know, and Matt come along and he called it emotional, you know. Brave do, men, do, you know, there's it, yeah. loads of ways you can put it. So, uh, you know, we've got we, we people like that be at, by our side. And, you know, I, I won the 2012 Formula One race and at the uh, at the TT, one of the first people to congratulate me was Mark, you know, and uh, yeah, brilliant. it was real Do you special. like the fact that um, the TT, you know, it's kind of gone from being, you know, even the motorcycle press kind of ignored it for a while, didn't they? You know, the kind of couple of bad years and it kind of became almost a sort of quite a lowly event, even in British motorcycling. And it's really kind of rebounded from that. Mm. For various reasons, the TV coverage. I think Rossi, Valentino Rossi, turning up there in 2009, kind of really sort of changed, turned people onto it. Do you mm. like the fact that um, it's getting recognition from around the world outside of motorcycling? Yeah, I mean it's it's fantastic for us, and you know it it's getting more coverage. Like I say, it's in everybody's front room. Digital television's brought into everybody's front room, but it still it still hasn't lost any of the rawness. You know, it's still you know we're parking a grass. We're parked in a grass field, but on a rugby pitch, basically, you know, and it's, it's, it's still, it's still done with, with feel, with, you know, the bikes are not full of electronics, not full of uh, traction control and all that lot. You know, we're still doing it with uh, sort of seat of your pants racing. So, yeah. you know, and none of the obstacles or anything's changed. It's just, uh, it's run a little bit more professionally. There's a few more title sponsors, and uh, you know, but like I say. Whatever happens, the walls and trees are still as hard, yeah. you know. <laughs> so it's uh, it's still the same for us, but uh, you know, it's 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 good to see it's out there globally, and uh, 
Yeah, long may it continue. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special at the moment at TT. You, you, you mentioned sort of health and safety earlier about, you know, if you, if you took a little mini bike out and tried to ride it around the industrial estate, you'd be helicopters and you'd be arrested and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, a lot, a lot of people in the world are getting pretty fed up with health, health and safety and being told how to live their lives and blah, blah, blah. You can't do this. You can't. And nobody's allowed to get hurt anymore. No, nothing bad's allowed to happen. Do, do you think that that might be one reason for a surge in the popularity of the TT? That people are going, wow, this is, this is the true thing where none of that sort yeah. of. I mean, you could, s- you could say that. I mean, it, it's. Uh I mean, it's, it, it's part of history as well. If you're into two wheels. It's part of history, you know. All these, you, you, there's, there's events come, there's events gone. There's, there's people trying to start things, and it never really happens. But, you know, it, it you know, in, in, in 1907, in on the on UK roads, somebody said, "Oh, we're going too fast over here. That's no good." So they found a little island in the Isle of Man, have a, have a chat in a pub, you know, with a couple of pints and smoking a pipe or whatever, and uh, decide to run. You know the oldest motorsport race in the world, you know, and it's still going. It's been through, you know, old Hitler couldn't stop it in the foot, you know, in the World War Two, and it came back after that. You know, World War One, it survived that and survived a sea strike. It's been through foot and mouth, you know, but it's it, it's its own government, you know, and they can, you know, they can get the get the health and safety rule book and rip it up, you know, so they can, they can do whatever they want. They can shut the roads when they want and run it how they want to run it, and uh, that's the one good thing, you know. And over here, you know, if you. It, if you don't, if you get caught over a certain speed, you lose your license, you banned or whatever over there. You know, you can, as a as a, a normal road going public guy, you can ride the TT track, going you know with one way, one direction with no speed limit. You know, where's that? Where in the world is that happening? You know, so it's uh, it still draws them. It still draws them. I know there's a few upside down and a few knocks and scrapes and stuff, but you can't throw fifty thousand people on an, on an, on an island and not expect one or two to stick it in the hedge. That's just root. That's you know that's what's going to happen anywhere in the world so it's uh, not the bike's fault sometimes but uh, yeah it still lo- hasn't lost any of that feeling you know the the the, the build up to it you know even now after 17 years of racing you know when we're talking about it now i'm getting <laughs> a little bit anxious and thinking oh no in a few it's only a few weeks you know we'll get this bad weather out of the way we'll be doing a bit of testing and you know it won't be long before we're hurtling down bray hill again can you tell me about some of your rivals because the whole thing about being a winner is 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 being you're obviously an ultra competitive bloke, and therefore, tell me tell me about some of your greatest, you know, fiercest battles. I mean, if you were to pick one guy, you know, who you thought in the morning of this guy's going to give me a problem. <laughs> well, it has to be Joey Dunlop. I mean, obviously, Joey is the most successful TT rider, and you know, we could sit here and talk about Joey all night. You know, the, the amount of victories he's had and his 26 wins and. Uh, you know, but from from being a youngster to watch him winning winning world championships, the TT wins, and you know, in, I went to see him in 1986. I remember it like yesterday. He was riding the Rothmans Honda, and uh, I had a picture of him. I bought from the shop, and I said, "Oh, Joey, will you sign this?" And uh, he just sort of went because you could never understand the word he said because he was he was Irish. Uh, he had to really listen carefully, and uh, he signed the picture. And I said to him, "I'll stand on the podium with you one day." Uh, and he said again <laughs> and, uh, in 1997 I actually did it I stood on the podium for the first time with him you know I was on my little Aprilia I finished third behind Joe and Ian Locker and uh, I reminded him I said Do you remember I had to use that picture <laughs> he didn't remember but uh, I, I, I've been in some great battles with him and, 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 and you know like 
in in 2000 I, I was the British champion I was the out, outright 250 lap record holder I was Joey's teammate I was a little bit a little bit cocky and one thing or another and I, I remember passing him in practice and uh, I passed him but quite aggressive and gave him a bit of a I was like oh go on Joey take that I'm the new kid and all that <laughs> and uh, it was a really really funny feeling when I the split second I passed him and roughed him up a bit I thought that was not the right thing to do <laughs> you know I thought you don't do that to Joey Dunlop, you know. And uh, in the race, I pulled up behind him. He was number three. I was number four. I was ten seconds behind him. I was the, ch I was the kid. I'm going to catch him, pass him. And when he dropped the clutch, I dropped my clutch. I never saw him. <laughs> he just disappeared. <laughs> and uh, I, mean, I saw him after the race, and it, it was basically because I passed him. I roughed him up, and uh, it always sticks in my head, you know. And uh, I can relate to it now because I've had it done to me before. The people have passed me and tried to rough me up, and I thought. You're not going to beat me in this race. No chance. People like Guy Martin and a few others. So, uh, you know, it all goes around full circle. But I've had some epic battles with Joe in. I mean, the man was 48 years old. And at 48, you should be, like, slowing down a little bit and, you know, taking your grandkids to, to school or something. And, you know, he won on a, a superbike. He jumped on a 125. He jumped on a 250 and won. So there's no way I could jump on a 125. You know, it disappeared up my ass crack. You know, there's not. it's, it's just... I wouldn't be able to do it, you know, ride a little one two five two stroke and then jump on a super bike. So it made it even more impressive, you know. It's uh but I mean I've ridden with Philip McCallan, you know, he was on the other scale, you know, he was a lunatic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be honest, Philip shouldn't be with us, you know, he's uh a massive crashes and you know and, and, and got away with him and you know and and also David Jeffries, I mean, uh, you know, if you're into your bikes you would know David Jeffries nine times T T when he did the treble did the treble, treble, treble in three years on the on the on on bounce, and then it, you know we lost him in 2003. He hit some oil at Crosby, a, a flat-out corner, 180 mile an hour corner, and you know the greatest TT rider at the time, within a split second, was gone. You know, so uh, I've had some difficult times. You know, it's not been easy at times. You know, I've had to pick myself up. A few, you know, and uh, as ever, you know, selfish races. It's never going to happen to you. You know, get the helmet back on and get back into it. But I've had some fierce rivals, and. Uh, I've respected them all and, uh, you know, I've had some great on-track on uh, battles. But to look at, I mean, do you think the current crop at the moment is of a pretty high standard? I mean, certainly from an outsider's point of view, it's, and, you know, everyone seems to be, there are so many people who could win a race. It's, it, yeah. you, you'd never put money on it. Yeah, I mean, there's one or two kids at the TT who are coming on quite strong now. I mean, we say kids, they're not, they're not kids' kids, you know. There's never really an eight... I suppose apart from Michael Dunlop, but I mean, Michael Dunlop's 24 years old and he's won seven TTs. Where you know I didn't do my first TT till I was 25, so he's you know he's just done amazing things and and the stuff he does on the bike is is incredible. You know he's got you know he's got like balls of steel if you like. You know he's he's aggressive. He's he's he pushes. He you know he, he sails close to the wind if you like, but he's getting away with it. And uh, you know whatever he lacks in ability you know he, he more than makes up for it in, in determination and uh, you know and, and, and everything else that goes with it but you know James Ely is coming good there's a few other boys you know but it's still maybe still the old guard there's me and Bruce Anstey and uh, a couple of other guys can still just about keep him at bay but it's not going to it's not going to be much longer one of the most amazing things to me about the TT at the moment is that uh, the closeness of a lot of the races you know you've got a, a six lap superbike race which is how many miles? It's what kind of two hundred odd yeah. miles, isn't it? And, and it goes on for an hour and forty-five minutes. And you start apart from each other. Quite often, you won't even see each other. Mm. And there's, you know, every 
type of corner and curve and conditions thrown at you during the race, and yet the win will be by 1.5 seconds. It'll be closer yeah, than the MotoGP, is. usually closer than the MotoGP race. I mean, how does that happen? It's just astonishing. It's just that, you know, how hard the boys are riding now. You know, it's, uh, you know, they're pushing and pushing, and, you know, there's, there's a few that want to win. And, uh, you know, we're not separated by, you know, be six or seven mile sections and we're separated by point one point two of a second and you know i've won tts where i've been 20 30 40 seconds ahead and it, you know it feels great you know you just cruise around pulling a wheelie and looking at the crowd and your friends in the crowd but when it comes to when your points of a second off you know all you're thinking about is you know don't make a mistake uh, hit every apex you know be strong into the pits make sure that you stop at the right place you know the boys got to do a mega pit stop all those things are they come into yeah. play you know it's a you can't really plan a race out TT. You just got to make it up as you go along. But uh, it just shows how how competitive it is, especially on the smaller capacity stuff. The six hundreds, you know, the bikes are so evenly matched. The riders are, you know, all equally talented. And you know, it's uh, when the conditions are good, we can't be separated. You know, and and, and I mean, last last year, one hundred and twenty eight mile an hour average on a six hundred. Yeah, I mean that is ridiculous. I mean. You know, like one three one on a superbike, you go, oh yeah, that's amazing, big numbers. But like, take four hundred cc off the engine, and, and you know, one hundred twenty eight average on a six hundred. Little races like that got overlooked. It's always the big bike races, but yeah. how hard they're riding the six hundreds and and how hard they're riding super stock bikes is is unbelievable. And you know, I did a hundred nine on an electric bike this year as well on a, on right. a battery. So you, you, you know, you, it's, it shows how the job's coming on a bit. You, you can't, um, as you said, you can't afford to lose a tenth anywhere, and the kind of the, the big thing at the TT is going fast through the fast stuff isn't it you obviously can't lose time anywhere but that's where you kind of can really make up time you know, can you can you describe to us what it's like trying to steer a bike kind of left right left right <laughs> which is what you do doing 180 190 miles an hour on a bike weighing 180 kilos plus your weight I mean the bike doesn't want to go around they don't the want to go around the corners at that speed you've got to really so, so, so what are you doing on the bike you've got, I mean it's it, it to explain it again it's hard to explain it's there's not a perfect answer for it you know it's it's just done by feel it's done by weighting the pegs a little bit of counter steering you know where some you know like you go if you go left you push on the bars right and you know you're just constantly just trying to keep it on the right line but again it comes experience sometimes the corner's maybe 300 yards ahead but you got to set, set yourself up way way in advance and you know if you make a mistake on the exit of three or four corners it's not the exit that's the problem it's the entry to the first corner so you've got to link so many things up you know it's uh, <laughs> again it comes it comes with time you know there's corners where you're, you're driving uphill so you you can go into them much faster because there's a natural slowing down up the hills but uh, yeah I mean where do you start <laughs> well you, you could explain it by, by having a lot of talent couldn't you <laughs> yeah I mean I, I, I I'd like to think so you know it it, it it does, you know, it winds me up a little bit sometimes when, you know, we get called lunatics and stuff, you know, we're not, if you're crazy when you're lunatic, you won't, you, you do three laps and you stick yourself through a wall, that, that's a hard fact, you can't do it, you know, you've got to be absolutely, you know, absolute ab, accurate, you know, there's places where you're two or three inch off a curb at 180 miles an hour, and if you're offline, you're in trouble, and that that's... That's the hard fact, you know, it goes wrong and, and I've seen it go wrong and, uh, you know, so 
Maybe you, a, little, a little bit of talent. <laughs> no, you know why I think, you know why, just to explain that, uh, uh, why people say that, uh, and I, I understand completely it upsets you, but I think people say it because they just can't imagine doing it. Mm. Whereas, whereas in a car, most people drive cars every day, some people have fast cars, so they can imagine or they can fantasize about being Michael Schumacher. <laughs> and I, I, that, you see, I think that the reason is people just can't get their head round. That, that was exactly when I went to the TT mm. for the first time in 2011. I went straight up to Cregney Bar and there was a sign saying, do, do not go beyond this, but someone was sitting on it uh, trying to get their bum dry and everyone was like, right on, they're right on the edge of the grass there. And when the bikes came around, it was a, for my first thing I thought was, I'd, it's a different world. It's, I ride a bike, but it's, it's another world. You can't, that, you can't it, say that you know, you didn't enjoy it though, did you? <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah, absolutely, I, it's fantastic. You know, yeah, everybody I, loves, everybody loves motorbikes. Yeah. They just don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <we're> not. <laughs> or they're just not, they're just not allowed, <laughs> so they're just not allowed to. But yeah. deep down, everybody loves yeah. motorbikes. But you that, know. I still, if anybody asks, it is the best race meet I ever went to. And I mean, yeah. F1, historic racing, anything. And interestingly, for tonight, um, obviously there's a, there's a sort of amalgamation of clips from the inductees' careers, and uh, Sky has put them all together. I mean, they were dealing with all the footage of the TT and things like that. They said, "Oh, I wish Formula One had this good footage. It's just, and it's brilliant." Yeah. You know, I love well, that. Well, the on bikes yeah. take you, you know, the on bike footage takes you into the into the race, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, you get a little bit of a feeling, but you you still, when you're on the side of the track, you know, there's places. I mean, you went to Craig the Bar. Well, you know, if I'd have took you, I'd have stuck you in a hedge somewhere <laughs> where we're. You know, you could have took you, put yeah. your hand down, probably yeah. touched the riders, and you know that that's the spirit of it. You know, you got yeah. to the Isle of Man, and you can, you can, you have a bag of sandwiches and a few beers, maybe, and a radio, and you you just you lose yourself for a day yeah. in in a, in a hedge or a field, or you know, and or even McGuinnesses. I've got my own corner now, by the way, so I'm, that's something <laughs> I'm I'm really proud of. It's an absolute flat out left hand corner, but uh, sort of halfway around the track, pretty spectacular bit. And the, and the TV. <laughs> Talking about the onboard and everything, the TV is just so, um, that, as you said earlier, that's been a large part of kind of turning people onto it. And I mean, I mean, I, if whenever I, I won't miss any of the TT coverage when it comes up, and I sit there and I, and I, I have shivers down my spine whenever I'm watching it, and that never happens to me when I watch any other sort f- form of I motorsport. You know, doesn't, sh- doesn't send shivers down my spine. It just when the <laughs> camera's on the front of my bike, it, it, I just get fed up because it. It just means that I'm showing everybody else how to do it, so that's why <laughs> I never wanted a camera on the front of my bike. Let's go back in time a bit, because I'd like to ask you a bit about riding uh, classic bikes. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, we've all watched, well, all of us here, I think, have watched the racing at the Goodwood Revival, the classic, the, the Barry Sheen races. And um, I wondered, when you first started doing that, did, did you think, my God, how did these guys cope with these machines, or, or did it come completely naturally to you? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, I, I, I mean, I did a, I did a parade this year and uh, last year at the Manx. We did a, a reenactment of the great race between Mike Haywood and Giacomo Agostini. When uh, I think it's fair to say Ago had the better of uh, of Haywood and uh, and uh, Ago's chain snapped and uh, my chain snapped in two thousand and nine when I had a forty second lead in the senior. And I said to uh, Ago, I said, "No, you feel now." And he said, uh, yes, he says, when I have a nine second lead over Mike, he called him Mike, he says, this was very special. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> I forgot what the question was, I'm off on well, one. You, you, just, you, yeah. wore, you wore a pudding basin helmet and that's goggles. Right, that's right, that's where it was, yeah. yeah. What about the, re- the reenactment? And uh, 
Yeah, I wore, I wore a Mike Aylward uh, pudding basin cork helmet and uh, the old goggles on. And uh, I, you know, it's like there's media everywhere, everybody's chatting away, yap, yap, yap. And then all of a sudden it was time to go. And I hadn't even worn this helmet. I put it on, I thought, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going down Bray Hill with this cork on my head, you know, <laughs> and uh, an old <laughs> pair of goggles. And uh, I mean, the bike was so narrow, it was so noisy. Uh, the wind whistling through my ears and my face my face was a little, little flapping around and uh, I went in down into quarter bridge and I put the brakes on and there were no brakes I mean nothing I had a bit of a panic on like I, I brake with one finger on my superbike and I brake pulled one finger on the brake and I immediately grabbed it with all four and I was pulling and pulling the brake lever and I thought this thing's horrible it was like weaving around and there's no grip and every bump you hit it was like it was like being on a jackhammer it was a dreadful thing and I thought and then you look at the lap times what they did you know 106 108 mile an hour in the 60s and, and the tyres in, the, in them days were, were were not like what we've got uh, you know the, the, the road surface wasn't like what we've got I mean the TT track's changed in three or four corners now there must be at least 10 to 12 seconds in the in the track with, with even the, the shape of the corners so what they did uh, yeah I do tip my hat off to them but uh they're good fun to ride. They're a little bit different, a little bit, you know. But I rode the pattern at the classic TT. I rode a, an old thirty-year-old Harris over in, uh, in 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 Australia. But you know, we were riding them hard. You know, we were riding them hard in Phillip Island, and uh, I couldn't believe how hard. To be fair, and uh, it was uh, it was a hell of a competitive event. But uh, yeah, classic racing. It, it's big. It's good. It's it, it's nice to be involved in it. I think you know these people who own these bikes the kids have flocked the nest they've disappeared and got married and you know they've got a load of bikes in the garage they've got a load of money and the board out of their head and they want to get these bikes running again so it's a yeah, classic scene at the moment it's real good news one of the amazing things is that you don't you don't ever wear wear earplugs do you when you're racing not even at the tt <laughs> what, what? <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be like that in a few years yeah i don't wear them i, I yeah. tried them once in 92 years ago and i rode a 400 Honda, uh, yamaha and uh my mechanics at the time must wear earplugs and I tried them at Ulm Park somewhere maybe two or three laps pulled in ripped them out and I've never worn them since and uh, but I'll tell you what I wish I had some when I was riding that Honda with uh, with Halewood with, uh, with, as, as at me being Halewood and Ago because when Ago passed me on that three cylinder MV I thought my head was going to explode it was just ridiculous I mean the old boy's 70 year old and all I mean what, what's he thinking and he, he crashed at Goodwood the old boy was tumbling down the road at Goodwood right in front of me and I thought that's Agostini you're not supposed to be going tumbling down the track he bust all his finger and he had a pin in his finger when he was riding around with me at the, I mean he didn't need to ride did he I mean he's got a few quid do you know what I mean and he's and there he is hurtling round, but it was funny because when he got in front of me, he didn't know where he was going. He said, I forgot where he was going. <laughs> he kept waving me past and stuff like that. So. I think, but I what think a thrill, you know, to be you know, 15 times world champion, 10 times TT wins. And, uh, you know, and, and to be asked by, you know, the Halewood family for me to do that. You know, obviously Halewood was, you know, when you go through somebody's career or you, uh, you know, the, the great car drivers are... Nobody's ever said a bad word for Mike Aylward, which is, uh, you know, which is pretty special. He got the, he got the uh, George Crash, didn't he, for pulling Regazzoni out, didn't he, I think? He pulled him out of the burning flame. So, just adorable, just a good guy, and there's sure. me. I was a fat Mike Aylward, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose you do realise, do you, that people are going to be saying this sort of stuff about you in years to come. You know, he doesn't need to do <laughs> <Hope> it. So. <laughs> Why is he tumbling down the road? You know, he, he, could, he, could, he could be back home with his feet up. I mean, they are, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's in your blood, and and it doesn't let go of you. You know, it's just uh, it's one of them things. I mean, what? In one way, why stop? You know, I mean, we're talking about the great Michael Wood, and he got killed going to the chip shop. You know. what about the great Colin, Michael Schumacher? For sure, you know. Falls off his skis, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was talking to. Uh, I've got text messages on my phone off, off, off Michael Schumacher because I did a, I did a function in Paul Ricard with him on two wheels, and uh, it was four degrees. At Paul Ricard, it was a monster uh, uh, corporate day, and the first man down the pit lane was Michael Schumacher, and uh, I, I'd never seen him on two wheels. Now I was like, oh my god, he, he was on, he was on the, he was on the pace, and I'm like, you know. I'm like it's not an F1 car. It breaks really late. I'm like you gotta break that late on two wheels. And but what a lovely chap. And we, you know, we we got on really well because he he's really quizzing me about why I yeah. still do it at 40 years old. And he's a little bit older than me. And you know why he retired. It was an interesting conversation. And we sort of locked ourselves away. And he gave me all his details and said, look, I'm coming to the TT. And you know, I've got messages that he wants to come to the TT. And, yeah. You know, it's not looking not looking good at the moment. No. But uh, exactly. You know, going back to the you know. Steve Islock was killed in a helicopter, so was Colin McRae. Yeah. Barry Sheen died of cancer at 52. You know, wh- wh- where's it going, you know? I'm going to ride bikes until I can't, and, uh, you know, long may continue. Talking, um, I saw, I think it was last year, that you did a test and it was an aerial atom, or you gave that yeah. a drive ride. How was that? Scary. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what I mean. It just, it did, it got my attention. Uh, I think... You know, because I'm used to high speeds on bikes, and I was actually riding it on the TT course. I know the course like the back of my hand, and I was going over the mountain on it. And uh, I came into the bungalow, and I just changed down like this, stuck my foot into it, and next thing you know, I was facing the wrong way, and I thought I was going to go down the railway line and back down towards Laxey on the Isle of Man. <laughs> and uh, I was like, <laughs> big, you know, steering wheel action, and thing was swapping sides, and I thought, ooh, hang on, I need to respect this thing. But uh, fantastic thrill, you know. I mean. I, really really cool thing you know I mean loads of noise and it, probably one of the closest things I've I've uh, had to, to a bike really with noise and speed and being outside open cockpit I had a helmet and stuff so now it's pretty it was really really good but I, I raced in a, a McLaren M, MP MP12 dash forward whatever yeah, they call it and yeah. I raced one of them around the uh, top gear track and on my superbike, that was interesting, but uh, yeah. it was faster than my superbike. It was just yeah. I had it for a week at home, and it's probably the best thing they did was come and get it because I'd have probably been through a hedge <laughs> or I'd have my license would have been ripped up. But uh, that, that was an incredible piece of kit. But uh, yeah, the Atom was was cool. I'd like to race one actually. Well, my old car race somewhere. If anybody's listening, want to give me a free motor for a drive somewhere? <laughs> they are listening. Don't you worry. <laughs> You're not wasting your time, mate. <laughs> I'd like uh, to do the Le Mans maybe 24 hours because I've done that many times on the, on on two wheels. I'd like to do it in four wheels. I'm sure, you know, we could do all right with somebody. You've been asked this 10 million times, but I've got to ask you: uh, Are you? Do you have any temptation at all to spend a few years racing cars now that you're gradually, gradually coming off the drug of the bike? <laughs> yeah, that, I, I would like to. Yeah, I mean. I'd like to do some sort of uh, some form of car racing. Uh, I don't know, GT cars or you know endurance cars or I think I'd like to do that. You know, just some some sort of endurance racing in cars. You know, it's uh, it's always going to be difficult to. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know enough about it. I just sort of 
you know, I just fancy get, getting in something that's uh, sure. that I can. There's no reason why I can't. You know, I, I know all the circuits and I, I, I know motorsport, and you know, so you know, somebody give me a chancey one. Obviously, I'm not dipping my hand in my wallet, so uh, <laughs> I know I'm not, I'm not going to be bringing much to the table apart from myself and a, and a crash helmet, maybe, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll 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 have a go. <laughs> well, if you think if you think back to how keen quite a few teams were to have Valentino Rossi. Uh, and if you think back to John Surtees winning the, cha- the world championship on two wheels and four, I mean, the skill is transferable, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason why not. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I forgot to, you know, get get really interested in it and start uh, having a real good think about the job. And uh, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't be competitive in a car. And uh, yeah, you see what them them guys did. Halewood did it. All the boys, you know, quite a few of the boys did it. So. Uh, you know, and even Schumacher could do it on two wheels. It was pretty impressive on two wheels. So uh, there's no reason why we can't uh, jump in something. Yeah, I was going to ask how old Schumacher was on two years, uh, two years, two wheels, um, because he, st- by the sounds of things, he was actually pretty good. He had a had a few crashes, but yeah. that's kind of part of the business, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't race with him, but you know, I kept an eye on what he was doing. He had a couple of tumbles, but difficult coming off four wheels onto two. Uh, Probably a little bit, maybe a little bit hard, especially from Formula One. I mean, the, and they're going around 40 seconds a lap quicker than what we're doing on two wheels, and they break so late. And but I watched him at, I went round with him at Paul Ricard. You know, uh, he was hitting all the perfect lines. He was riding around good. He was breaking really deep into corners. He was uh, very, very impressive. I have to say, you know, I mean. I'm not saying it because it's, it's Michael, but I was on my World Endurance bike and I couldn't keep up with him. And he was on a Penegale Ducati. Uh, I, I, I was, I'm going to make an excuse now. I was, uh, I had World Endurance tyres on, which are like bowling balls. They got to last an hour. And uh, he was, uh, he's got some, he's got some confidence. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. there's, there's, and, and I was having a little bit of a rub up, a little bit of a rub up and that and come alongside him a bit and, you know, the man's still a racer. That's that's the bottom line. You know, he's still he's still got determination. He's still got. <laughs> you know, he wanted to race me, and uh, but really interesting our bikes as well. Our bike had ABS, CBS control braking, and he wanted to ride a. He wanted to ride our Fireblade with the ABS brakes on and stuff. So he's still, still thinking. You know, it was a, it was an amazing day for me. Obviously, Michael Schumacher is an is an absolute worldwide superhero, and when we were talking one to one, we were just like friends and. Uh, you know, he's he's, a, he's just a an extraordinary chap, really. He's done incredible things through, you know, working hard, determination, and, and and you know, and his record speaks for itself. But to be burning round Paul Ricard on a cold, <laughs> coldish, miserable day uh, was something really special for me. And uh, and you know, I think to get older Michael Schumacher, you obviously need an army of people to get anywhere near the man and uh, you know we were speaking frequently on text messages and uh, you know just like a friend and you know he says uh, he said I'm off to Geneva and I'll see you later and about three minutes later he was going down the runway in a private jet and where I was on Ryanair so there's a there's there's definitely uh, something going wrong in in our sport but uh, fair play to him good guy I I get the impression that you're not at all keen on any kind of bullshit you don't want you're not at all keen on any kind of faffing around you don't want any you know la-di-da stuff so how do you feel about 
nights like tonight when you're going to be up there on the stage and every you know you're a hero you've you've everybody knows what you've done they don't need to be told do you find that hard to cope with or, or do you quite like it in in some way i do like it in some ways yeah i mean obviously it's a massive honor and a thrill and i'm probably getting a little bit nervous now i'm gonna be close to the time and uh you know we've got uh yeah i've got some uh, we'll get a few more glasses of wine down here a bit of a, a bit of courage but uh to be honest i'll just go up there and say and then and, and you know if we, if we chat i'll say what i think you know and if it if they don't like it then it's sad luck but uh i'll only i'll only be truthful i'll only say sure. my piece and uh you know for me i'm it's just fantastic to be to be receiving it but uh you know I, i'm not going to change now you know i'm nearly 42 and uh you know it's uh i've fought for everything i've got you know i'm not i'm not I've got mega bucks, but you know nobody's going to come and repossess my telly just yet. But uh, <laughs> you know, here we are, London posh do. I'll just, I just want to enjoy it. You know, I want to enjoy the, 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 the enjoy the, you, you the experience, and you know, meet some people. And we'd be interested to see what some of them have got to say about the job. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll enjoy it and a few glasses of wine and tell mm. my story. You're not afraid of a late night out either. I think <laughs> last year at the uh, TT launch. Uh, I had a, a lap in a car booked with John at 8, 8 a.m., I think the second morning of the launch, and I think John was in the hotel bar, keeping the hotel bar open until about 4 a.m. or something. Five. He, sti- he five still turned minutes. up, five was it, he still turned up like five minutes late, you know, um, yeah. three hours later, so that was pretty We do cool. enjoy ourselves, I think, you know, it's... Do you uh, think that's another thing about the whole kind of road racing thing, the street racing thing, that it's it's kind of possibly the last rock and roll area yeah, of motorsport left? Yeah, I mean, another, another thing, you know, we're being a bit hard on some of some of the other absolute, le- you know, like, you know, Sebastian Vettel can't walk around the pubs, you know, he's going to get tortured to death, you know, and then, you know, he's not, uh, he can't really probably say what he wants to say, but I think I went to the Autosport Awards in uh, in London a couple of, a uh, few weeks ago, and uh, I listened to, to Vettel, and... Uh, I saw a different side of him. It was really, really cool. You know, he said he said a lot of words and fired a few f's in there. And I thought, oh, that was a swear word there. And uh, <laughs> you know, but it was he took the took the piss out of the Red Bull owner. You know, he got in, it was very, very good. And I thought, oh, I wish he could just say that on the telly. You know, you know. Then we, then we all jump. I know if they could just say that and look, let loose. And what are they going to do? Take the car off him? Yeah. You know, well, what it, are they going to do? It only in, in, in what can increases people's attraction Absolutely. to everything, doesn't it? You know, people, people are going to be reality, human. don't they? They don't want He is human, but he's not allowed to say it. You know. It's interesting in Formula One that the guy who occasionally speaks his mind, i.e. Raikkonen, but doesn't really say anything, Mark everyone's gripped, you know, gripped with. <laughs> and um, Mark Webber, of Yeah, and Webber as well, yeah. Like, he was just amazing at the end of his, his last few races. I mean, really? Webber's press conference was just... Yeah. At, uh, in Brazil was just... was gold, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it, it's just... We need more of it, you know. Yeah. I mean, the race is good. The technical side of it, the spectacular, you know, the the show is amazing. But you know, bring the bring the personalities out of the drivers. And, yeah. You know, um, we've, we've we're running out of time, John. Yep. But uh, can I just uh, um, ask you finally about Marco Marquez? And the reason I want to ask you about him is because as a as a motor racing a car a car racing fan, I was completely hooked on watching him last year. Um, I didn't understand why he was so brilliant, but I certainly love watching it. That's the kind of thing that your sport really needs, isn't it? A sort of a young, yep. dashing hero. Am I right? Or what's exactly your what we need. You know, it's uh, 
And, you know, fortunately, Marco Simoncelli was in the same uh, mould where we lost him in, uh, in Malaysia. But uh, if you look at Mark Marquez, it's a kid who's thoroughly enjoying what he's doing. You know, he's full of enthusiasm, smiles, laughs. I mean, I think they've got him on the rain now, which would be a, be disappointing. Yeah, but Matt, Matt, Matt said that yeah. earlier on. Yeah. I think they've just they're, they're pulling him in a little bit, but let him go. You know, I mean, what he does on bikes is just breathtaking. Uh, a rookie to winning, you know, turning Lorenzo over. I mean, Lorenzo injured himself. He, he possibly would have been a bit difficult if he didn't if he hadn't injured himself. But you know, he did a good, solid. Well, he did an amazing job, you know, and it's great for the sport to see somebody like that. And uh, you know, away from away from that, you know, if you go on YouTube and have a look at Mark Marquez, he's on a flat track bike, you know, he's on an off-road bike, he's motocrossing, he's out with his friends, he's he's skidding around, he's doing what he does best, and that's when you get the best out of a rider when they're happy yeah. and uh, doing what they want to do, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, you look at his teammate Danny, <laughs> somebody's. Somebody's sucked his personality away, or, or, or something's gone wrong. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, yeah. we need a new Rossi, and Marquez is a new Rossi. So, uh, you know, again, he's somebody you can't take your eyes off. You know, when he's on two wheels, he just, you know, he's the elbow scraping, you know, winning machine. You know, it's uh, yeah. superb. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks, John. Good luck tonight. Enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. I will do. <laughs> Thank you very much to John McGuinness. Fantastic. Just back from Australia. Now he's got to go out and make a speech. Well done. Thank you. And thank you to Matt Oxley, who actually knows something about motorcycle racing. And, of course, to Ed Foster, who organises all our podcasts for us. So thank you for joining us today. Um, before we go, can I just remind you that uh, our Hall of Fame, our Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame, will be on Sky Sports F1 this coming Friday. That's the 31st of January from 8.30 till 9. So if you would like to see all the uh, people who've joined our Hall of Fame this year, I suggest you tune in on Friday. And thank you very much for joining us today. We'll be back very soon, actually. We'll be back uh, two weeks' time. Fantastic. See you all then. Thank you. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>